Welcome to a very special episode of a spin-off show starring the two coolest potatoes from the podcast you know and love, Declan and Hayden. Hayden, how are you? Declan, I'm good, man, and it's so good to finally be branching out on our own, getting this done right, and you know, without some of the more unprofessional (laughs) tendencies that our other podcast had, it's good to strike out, try something different, you know? So I'm feeling good. It's a big opportunity for us. It is. You know, like when the when the suits came to us, when the network came to us and said, we want to see you guys maybe branch out, do your own thing. Obviously, you can carry the podcast on your own. Let's mm. just like mm. get this dynamic together. Obviously, you know, on the normal show, we hate each other and yes. we have that that fun little, yeah. you know, repartee. And the fans love it. And the fans love it. But in real life, we're actually quite friendly. So yes. yeah. maybe... We could just have a show where we just hang yeah, out. Sometimes, sometimes a little too friendly, yeah. some would say. I've heard that the other guys <laughs> on the show say say stuff like that before. A little bit, little bit of jealousy in there. But no, it, it is good to it, not just um, have a, a podcast that we can take more seriously, but is going to be taken more seriously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, re- really stoked. And, and you talk about the opportunity that we have in front of us. Yes, Yes, it is the kind of thing that might make a lesser podcaster like, you know, a Mitchell Gosling or a Morgan Quinn sort of, you know, maybe shake under the pressure or sort of, you know, lose their cool, you know. Yeah. Is this pilot going to take off? Will the people asking us to pull it together like it enough to invest in a six-part series or what have you? Yeah. But I'm feeling fucking fine. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling very chill about it, very relaxed, which is good. Those guys aren't in my mind at all on this one, like... You know, they do their thing, we do our thing. Whoever does it better wins, whatever. Like, it's no big deal to it's me. It's not like it's a competition, but but it no. is a sort of a, like a we will win and they will lose kind of situation, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And if it was a competition, they already have lost because they mm. haven't got this opportunity. So there's no real competition competition. I mean, well, it's a competition, but there's no competition. And and they lost in, in not, not just in, in them turning up and trying, but their, their mind frame, their, their mindset. Yeah. They, they lost to begin with in just the way that they sort of are as human beings. Yeah. Not good ones. And I, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to spread my wings a bit, you know, mm. showcase some of the skills that maybe those guys really hampen on the old show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like fair. um, you know, like I I do impressions too. I can I can juggle a soccer mm-hmm. ball. Yep, I give good l- relationship advice, and mm-hmm. I just never get the chance to show that on the old show because no. the other guys are just you know in your ear. Let's talk about old movies, all that stuff. Uh, and you'll notice the li- listeners of this podcast will notice that as we move through some of the. Uh, clearly defined segments we've already decided on, such as uh, soccer moments from the week mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, relationship tips of the week. And I think we also had um, impressions of the week was one of the segments we had teed up as well, right? So You're damn right it was. Oh, oh is that uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor who's just cut, stepped in? Um, I was. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry. I mean, no, 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 no. We'll cut that. Bit. Is that ET from extraterrestri- the extraterrestrial? You're damn right it is. <laughs> oh, we have fun. Uh, hang on. Um, El, El- oh, hang on. Uh, Elliot. 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 That's- Why, Elliot? What the hell are you doing with that <laughs> ET in your backyard? That's so good. That's yeah. a, that's a great Scorsese film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so look, and, and so there we go. We, we've got the impressions already out of the gate. I, I can, you know, could almost see the listeners doubling over in laughter. 
Yeah, and the listenership doubling itself as well. Yeah, I can see that the bank account just <laughs> yeah going up and up and up. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 Declan, let's start off with what we always intended to do: weekly update. Declan, so I heard you got into a little bit of a. Oh, sorry, I forgot to turn the delay off. Declan. I heard you uh, got into a little bit of trouble this week at the office. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, we all got sent home, actually, from the office. Uh-oh, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get uh, HR involved in this one, but I guess <laughs> you could say we were spreading COVID-19 around the city. <laughs> and so they sent us all home with a little slap on the wrist and a, and a, and a slap in the wrist by way mm. of, you know, small needle. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what was that part I about? I guess it was just trying to get those 5G microchips going. I was talking to a friend about uh, COVID conspiracies and, you know, they run the gamut, right? There's there's every... Mm. you got a whole spectrum of people. So, obviously, there's people that believe in COVID and think that it's dangerous and want to stay safe mm-hmm. and get vaccinated. And then all the way on the and other And then you've got, got the got- sane people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just joking. Yeah, you've got the people that are straight up like, COVID doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And when it does exist, it's not dangerous at all. And what is dangerous is the vaccines that exist, but they also right. do nothing, but they will kill you. And that's the that's real right. problem, right? And then in the middle, you've probably got these weirdos that are like, COVID does exist and it's dangerous, but it's created by 5G. But I also think you should get vaccinated because the vaccines give you antibodies against COVID, which make you strong enough to pull down 5G towers. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> and that's where I'm falling. Okay, cool. Good, good to I'm, know. I'm a centrist. I just play the middle, I right like on that. the fence. If you're in a group of people arguing about the efficacy of vaccines and the dangers of COVID, you just play both sides until uh-huh. everyone's like, "This guy's the crazy guy." <laughs> I I'm genuinely like in the position of I believe COVID's. Well, I don't know. I'm not like worried about getting COVID at the moment, but it's still also like there's this small chance that if I were to get it, that I might die. But it's sort of it's it's sort of similar to like crossing the road. <laughs> it's not that. It's more it's more likely to kill you than crossing the. I don't fucking know. Like getting in a car. It's like no, I don't know. Our our hospital systems not being overwhelmed by people getting hit by cars are there. Look, my point is I'm not worried about COVID, but I'm a little bit worried about it. And I'm not worried about getting the vaccine, but I'm probably equally worried about getting the vaccine. So I'm just like, well, fuck, this is all You're just a worried guy. I'm going to stay home and not do either of the things. Have you ever been sick with the, just the flu, like a bad flu? Yeah. I I think probably, probably truthfully only once had like what I would call the actual flu. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Me too. I had it. Um, six years ago mm. and, and I was in bed for two weeks and um, I'm not, you know, people are always like, I don't really get sick. I mean, I get, I get like a cold a couple of times a mm. year or whatever. You get a stuffed nose and that kind of stuff. But, but this was like the full like body aches for two weeks mm-hmm. straight, headaches, yeah, it's horrible. throat was real sore and I was just in bed for two weeks straight and I hated it so much. I got like super depressed in that state. I remember just sitting yeah. there and being like, like... You would wake up in the morning and I was living with my parents and my mom would be like, do you feel any better? And I'd be like, yeah, I think I do. I'd feel like 3% better. Yeah, yeah. Just enough to notice that I was a little improved, but also I still felt almost exactly the same amount yeah, of shitness. Yeah. And so 
that well, that would happen every day. I'd wake up and I'd be like, I feel a bit better. But as the day goes on, you're still like, I still feel, feel fucking, like fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, I can't do anything. I can't get up. I can just lay in this bed and sleep. And like my body aches and stuff. So you're like rolling around to try and get comfortable. But yeah, I had that. And now I get the flu shot every year now just because I like hated that. Because of that. Yeah. And yeah, if COVID is like that, which is probably what would happen like at, at its worst, like I don't expect to die just from seeing the kind of amount of people that die in my age range. Mm. Um, I'm not super afraid of dying, but I'm like, I don't want to spend two weeks in bed. Like that's just no. Bad. Of course I'll take a vaccine. No, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's just the, I don't know. I don't know. All the all the misinformation out there is seeping into my brain and making me not trust anything. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not at the point where I'm like a, an anti-vaxxer, but it is at the point where I'm like, oh, there's too much information and I'm not taking any of it in. And am I meant to be worried? I haven't done any research. Should I have researched whether this Pfizer vaccine I'm getting in a month is going to make my dick smaller, you know? <laughs> I think it makes it harder for four hours at a time or something. Ah, that's pretty cool. Speaking of misinformation, uh, I was doing this TikTok competition with a few friends, right? Yes. Yeah. Saw and this. Um, uh, we would we basically just we we had a month to make as much content and try and get as many views and followers as you could in a month. Um, really, just I think one of my friends had the idea because he probably wanted to start his own TikTok but wasn't really making his own content. Was like, why don't we all do it and mm. see if we can get anything going? Mm-hmm. So um, we all took different approaches. Approaches, that's yeah. the one. And um, and mine was basically to play a character that uh, I wanted to have like a narrative with mine that people would tune in for like again and again potentially so I could kind of like snowball an audience. Mm. And my character was basically a guy who's in a TikTok competition to try and get likes and followers but can win a million dollars. So that was the lie that I right. put into this thing. Right. Um, but I also threw in the concept that like I used to be super rich. So it was like a redemption oh, story. It was okay. like a, the classic, you know, guy claws his way back to his former glory. Yep. So my storyline in this character was basically, I used to have $10 million. Um, I lost it due to like bad trading, mm-hmm. being arrested, spending a few years in jail for like insider trading, mm-hmm. um, having my assets seized. And now I'm getting my life back together. And this TikTok competition I'm in could get me a million dollars, which will like, you know, get me a tenth back to where I was mm-hmm. and get me back on the ladder. So that was my game plan. And also I thought that that was a fun way of giving me like a lot of various things that I could do within this competition. So I could be like, you know, my first video is like, this is my situation. I'm just trying to get views. So I'm going to try different things. Give me ideas of what I could do. I'm going to try learn the guitar over the next month. I'm going to give advice. I'm going to comment on like, you know, things that are going on in pop culture. I'm going to, you know, I was even thinking like, I'll just get in tons of flame wars with people on TikTok and like keep duetting and stitching people and just calling people idiot, like anything I could do to get views (laughs) and like two weeks in i did a video where um i'd seen a bunch of videos about how like bad the lockdowns in australia were Mm. um, particularly in sydney and melbourne and they were like there's helicopters going around telling people to stay inside and all this stuff and so i did this um i live near this tank that's just on the side of the street Mm. like a like an old memorial kind of tank from like world war ii or something right right and I was like, oh, I've got this toy grenade from me and my mates, like the prop. The and so I went to this tank and did this video where I was basically like, 
this whole COVID thing is overblown. The Australian lockdowns aren't bad. There's barely any tanks on the street and there's this tank behind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're, they're actually pretty nice. If you dodge the mortar fire, you can actually stay quite safe. And as long as you pick up all these loose grenades, you'll be fine kind of thing. And yeah, over like the next few days, that video got like hundreds of thousands yeah, of views. Yeah, I saw that one. That's the only one I saw. For some reason, <laughs> yeah. that's the only one that made it to my timeline. It's like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of views on that. What do you think the magic sauce was there? Just hitting the right, the right topic at the right time? Yeah. Uh, I think, it, and it was designed to do because it wasn't was funny, Declan. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it, the the d- design of it was like I'll hit a topic that's uh-huh. current and relevant, that's like a political hot button issue. Sure, that plays both like political sides against each yeah. other, and hopefully is a bit funny as well. So like at the end, I, I'm like, yeah, pick up this. Two out of three is not bad then. Sorry, I'm just fucking with you. And if you look through the comments, it was like a lot of people were like, this is funny or just like laugh, cry faces Mm, or like going mm. along with the joke, you know, being like, well, watch out for the drop bears or like, yeah, I got Uh sniped by the army trying Uh to go to Coles and stuff. But then there's also like at least half of them that are American people that are just like, really, this is so bad. (laughs) They're trying to do this here as well. We stand with you, Australians. You should have never given up your guns. That's crazy. Yeah. And it fucking just depressed the hell out of me. Like at at the beginning, I was writing back to everyone like because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i just want yeah. people to keep coming back to the video so i can did win this competition it, yeah. but did anyone get anywhere near that number like you didn't need to keep fishing for replays or whatever what was the highest second place no but you know it takes a few days to really get rolling okay it was the only video i've posted that i was like i think this one could get a lot of views like my i think my other before you even made it yeah yeah like like yeah, i just thought that it targeted the right kinds of things yeah. it still has to get however that algorithm rolls Mm. it has to get going Mm -hmm. but once it gets going like seven hours later that night i was like oh i'm starting to get some comments on this like i think it might go and then yeah the next morning i was like oh shit there's like i don't know thirty thousand views and then over the next few days Mm. a few hundred thousand views and it just keeps rolling but you're right no one else in the competition got more than like a thousand views on a video so Uh it already won and in fact i was already winning on other videos i'd done before this but this (laughs) just made us be like all right this competition's over (laughs) what yeah i don't know the whole the whole what you need to do now though from from what i understand of tiktok is you need to now do exactly the same premise a bunch more times so oh, yeah. do the exact same joke in front of i don't know the war memorial i don't know are your police cars go find a police car and do it yeah, i don't yeah. know how much further you can stretch that but that's that's the thing i dislike about tiktok well no you know when, when i first got like really into tiktok it was like the world's most open source sketch show. Yeah, yeah. And I loved that about it. It was like the the thrill of watching a sketch show is like, if you don't like the sketch, it's going to be over in like 30 seconds and <laughs> yeah. you've got another shot at laughter. And that's so good because that's why sketch shows work. Is it like if, if it sucks, then, you know, the next one might be really, really good. And that's what TikTok was. Yeah. It's like you flick up and it's like, oh, is this one funny? Yes. And sketch shows have a certain consistency, right? Like a tone. Mm. Like I love um, Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of realize the the formula they use or like the same kind of character he'll do every time. I I still really enjoy it, but like, you know what you're going to get in TikTok. You can get the most absurd, weird, just craziness. And then Mm -hmm. like a super broad and then just like a very, you know, just like my girlfriend, uh, snores when she sleeps. So Mm -hmm. it was just like me, me trying to sleep while my girlfriend's snoring. Mm -hmm. It's just five shots of the same guy's face just being like, (laughs) ah, yeah, you know, like so you get the most kind of childish lame shit that 
is literally lowest common denominator but then you get like the weirdest like most creative yeah. crazy things ever and you just yeah that's why it's so addictive um but i also hate that you can play the algorithm and just yeah. be like i'm gonna enrage people with this and i'm gonna get all this engagement which will just snowball into more and more mm. and then yeah i could just keep doing that like a few of my friends have said oh what are you gonna do when this competition's over and i'm like i'm deleting this account i want nothing to do with this like mm. it made me it made me feel ill that yeah right i could manipulate it that easily and and also how many people legitimately are fucking stupid and like oh, believed right. that it was real because it fed into like a preconception that they have which mm. is mm-hmm. the government oversteps everything and wants to take over and they'll send tanks in the streets to like make sure you stay inside during a lockdown and stuff yeah i think the, the other the other thing about tiktok with, with the way that it sort of is like this fantastic like random tv show slash sketch show thing is that like also you get like these memes that take off and like in a sketch show you have the recurrent like character or the recurrent catchphrase that comes back every three episodes and like you get that but it's a different person doing the catchphrase or that it's the exact same joke and you know the punchline and it's coming but it's presented in a different way just like yeah. and you're ready for it and and that happens all the time with these trends that take over yeah. but, but but similarly yeah. i think that's why the algorithm works in the way that like if someone gets a million views or whatever and then they just keep doing the same iteration of that the reason that works is because TikTok knows that it can feed one of those to someone once every three days and still get the laugh. Yeah. But if you go to that person's page and just scroll through their all their posts, you're like, this is the same shit over and over again. It's terrible. I hate it. Yeah. And you can see the people that were doing a whole bunch of different types of jokes or content or commentary. Mm. And then one of them hits and then they yeah. hone in on that because they yeah. get rewarded by the right. popularity of it. And I found that too. Yeah, I was watching the notifications and I just had like plus 99 mm. the whole time. Anytime I'd refresh or open the thing, it was just full. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I've never... that. Uh, that's the most popular thing I've ever made as well, which is the dumbest thing. In your thing. whole life? Yeah, in my whole life. That's crazy. So I've been making stuff and putting it online probably since I was about 14. And, and we're talking YouTube and we're talking trying to post it on forums and MySpace, making music, albums, <clears throat> music videos, sketches, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. short films, even my feature film none of it like the trailer to my feature film hasn't been seen as much as this stupid tiktok video but do you is it a different uh scale that you're measuring these things on i mean yeah it's all views and the views but views on a youtube versus views on a 30 second tiktok i don't know yeah i don't know exactly how how they count a full view and just showing up in someone's feed as they watch two seconds and scroll away and they probably count that but back in the old days of youtube they used to count one refresh as a full view remember you could get a bot that refreshed your page yeah but but I'm, I'm more like like someone might someone might go back to a really good YouTube video and show it to someone, but I don't think anyone's going to jump into TikTok and say Australian guy yes. tank. Yeah, that COVID. everything's super disposable on that platform because yes. of the the endless stream. Yeah, exactly. But that's also what makes it so addictive, isn't it? You're like, I'm signing up to just whatever you throw in my face, mm-hmm. and the more I watch it, the more it's like he likes stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have another TikTok account where we just do old sketches, right, with with Morgan and jared and jim and Mm. i I use that all the time and so it knows what i like and i quite like the feed that it gives me but since i started this new one it honed in on a few things that the other one just never really exposed me to that i love like soccer for example Mm -hmm. and so i watched a few like soccer highlights and now my tiktok feed in that is just like 90 percent soccer highlights (laughs) and i'm just like it's funny that the other one never figured that out about me and this one just hooked me into it yeah and it moves in waves as well there was a 
brief period almost out of nowhere where I was just getting music producer guys like recommending plugins and showing like their special keyboard shortcuts in logic and stuff like this for like a month and then just like as if it had never happened i didn't get another one ever again it's like what the fuck what changed what is it now and it was replaced by something else and for people that aren't on tiktok which you know i got on tiktok like three months ago i'm pretty new to it i know people have been on it for years but when i tell people that i'm on it they are always like, I don't get it. I don't get TikTok. And and I go, mm-hmm. it's like any social media, but it's just once it figures out what you like, it just shows you that. So you might think of TikTok as like teen girls doing TikTok dances or whatever. Mm. I, I don't get any of those in my feed because I don't that's, watch that that's stuff. That's all I get. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I yeah. Wonder why. But I'm like, once it, like, you could have any niche, right? If you ride motorbikes, there'll be like a million guys that are just fixing their motorbikes or buying motorbike parts, just like YouTube. Like, whatever your niche is, it can do it. And if you have five niches, if we like comedy and music and movies, it's like, it'll just show you that kind of stuff. So, TikTok is anything to everybody. But you don't really input, you don't really input anything. It's all passive, right? It's like, if you watch a video for the full 60 seconds, they're like, all right, let's find a bunch of videos that are like that one because it held his attention for X amount of time. Yeah. I think when you first sign up, it makes you do some checkboxes for like your interests. Okay. But but yeah, at that point you're like, I don't know what I like, and then what the fuck this is. Then after a while, it's like this guy loves fishing. Like just show him fishing rods. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh yes, TikTok. Well, congratulations on your win. That's great news. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Are the other guys bummed? I don't know. I know um, Morgan just deleted every video he had. I think he was like really (laughs) hating the stuff he was making. I was talking to him about it because he he had one where it was uh, meant to be, it was a video of him listening to Fleetwood Mac for the first time. Yeah. And it's just him from a number of views. And then at the end, he's like, it's pretty good. That was his uh, like idea for the beginning. He did that like five times. Oh, he did do that five times. Different popular bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that could have worked if you just, yeah. just got to persevere. Yeah. Even if none of them ever got more than like 15 views, which some of them were getting at the start, <laughs> you can just have one at the end of the month of this comp that, blows up you know and like you never know completely random it's the question is whether you stay consistent with just like one concept or whether you do what i did which was a scattershot thing Mm -hmm. where i'm like here's me playing guitar here's me doing like a joke or a sketch or talking about like a marvel movie like anything that i could do that i could think of that might get going it's quite time consuming though isn't it yeah i mean i we we were going into lockdown for some of it so it was like oh this will keep me busy Mm, but really i did like five videos on like the first day we started which was a sunday and i was just at home Mm. and i had a few ideas and then i would do like one or two a day if they came to me. And because I had that scattershot approach, I could think of anything that I was just, you know, I'd be at work or something and I'd be like, I'll just say this quick thing. And yeah, most of them got no views. The only ones that started to get views were when I was um, basically arguing about like popular cryptocurrencies and just saying like this cryptocurrency is (laughs) bad. And then I'd get like a hundred comments of being like, you're a fucking idiot. And then I'd be like, no, you are actually (laughs) the idiot. And, uh, and and that was that was going well for me. I had I got like two thousand views okay. from those, and I was like just baiting crypto people. <laughs> yeah, and I was <laughs> and I was in the lead of the competition at that point, and then I got this uh-huh. I had this one massive one. Yeah, well, it was a good good competition. Yeah, that's that's really great, man. Um, what's next? Yeah, what's next for me on the horizon? Yeah, what are you gonna do next? How, how how's your script going? What are you scripting there? Can you can you let that out on the pod? Um, I'm currently working on. I just got hired to do a 
directing gig. I just got high. Yeah, I get paid to do this one, which will be sweet. Um, nice. But it's just like, it's a theater. Uh, I'm shooting a monologue, like a theater monologue and adapting it into basically a short film that's about the, mo- that's someone doing the monologue. So it's kind of like, okay, it's already an artistic project where they've been doing this play and it's a whole bunch of monologues about teenagers mm-hmm. and then i'm taking one and like filming it basically so okay it's kind of experimental but yeah i'm working on my shot list and storyboarding it out at the moment i think it'll be fun cool yeah nice and i'm helping produce like uh, a zombie comedy short film for someone as well so i'm like kind of mentoring them it's their first directing thing they're also a theater guy who's um, written a lot of short plays and won some awards and stuff and so they're doing their first film and they know that i've made a zombie film so they like hired me to kind of mentor them through that that's cool yeah i've i've mentored a few people in my time i don't i don't talk about it too much but if you'd like to hear um i recently mentored um a young liberal uh hopeful actually (laughs) Oh yeah, just sort of yeah. Just trying to trying to show him the ropes and explain to him the way government should run. And isn't the the young liberal way that basically government should just be very very small and be one guy in an office that runs the whole government, and people are like, no. "Hey, what do you want to do?" And he just says yes or no, whether it's he funds. No, it's that I'm talking specifically about young liberal. Their values are that everyone should be young. So it's 18 to 22 is the max slash min yeah. range of the ages that people in government should be, uh, at least in the Liberal Party. It doesn't so matter so much matter what the opposition uh, choose to do with their uh, with their party and their party members, but yeah, with with the young Liberals, it's specifically 18 to 22 men only, and that's the kind of government that we want to bring in here in in at least at a, at a at a um state level or a territory level and then hopefully eventually yes i i would like to see john uh jack maybe even declan as uh, a, a different declan um down uh having it out in the house of reps mm. i i really like the idea thank I you think, i think you could have a federal political party called the under mm. 30s and they're only no rule. the young liberals is fine yeah but just let's let's say they're called the under 30s and the well, rule the, is the problem is that that would be lying because they have to be under 22 yeah but this one look, there's not enough people in the range of 18 to 22 to vote someone in so i think you call them the under 30s i think their whole platform is we're under 30 and everyone else that we're competing against is old and stupid and gross and old. And they're just like, you know, the mm. debates and stuff are just like, shut up, wrinkle man. Go get your medication. Yeah. Go look after your grandkids. This is a really good point. Um, and and we are doing a little bit of that. I understand that you're coming from a different perspective. You want to open it up a little bit. And I think in, in your defense, yeah, maybe there's still a little bit of value to be had out of someone who's over 22 years old. They might have more experience, more hairs on their chest, literally and figuratively. They might have, you know, they know the ropes already. But at the end of the day, I'm only attracted to men within a certain age bracket. And that's sort of why I've framed this part of the way I have. Some, some can look younger than they, you know, like some, sometimes, you know, that that guy looks he looks, he looks about yeah. 23. Turns out he's he's a 30-year-old. Yeah. It's always it's always shocking. But once I find out that he's 30, I am no longer attracted to him. That's the thing. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And so that's really my whole philosophy on it. And what the values of each member in the party is, it doesn't matter too much to me. I would say, though, like, as a standard, like, blanket rule, no fatties. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, obviously. If you're, you've got to be hot if you're in politics. Like, Yes. Yes. Yeah, like, some of our, the most handsome leaders we've had. John Howard, uh, Tony Abbott. Um, Julia Gillard. Leonardo da Vinci. These are handsome men. Virile, handsome men. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, I, I, I wouldn't want to see Australian politics go the way of, you know, Germany with your Markles and your Farkles and your Jarkles. It's just yeah. it's just not cricket. Anyway, look, that's that's Hayden's politics going And your Hitlers. Oh, no, he's all right. He, he wasn't a fatty. He wasn't a fatty. And the, the, the costumes that they wore were rather fetching, you know? Yeah. That was his doing. I remember so. you often campaigning in school, mm. um, getting into, like, pretty heavy arguments with people. And you'd say, well, you can say a lot of criticisms about Adolf Hitler, but he wasn't a fatty. Yeah, sure. And I say that yeah. a lot, about a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, who, who have we got? Gandhi? <laughs> Um, Scott Morrison. I've got a lot of criticisms about Gandhi, but you know what? He's not. Fa- he's not a fatty. The Dalai Lama. He had a good weight. Hey, what 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 would the Dalai Farmer sound like? Oh, peace and love to everyone. But I got to get out there and pick some corn. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good? Is that got legs? Yeah, it's it's like a. Ah, uh, I am the reincarnation of the last Dalai Lama. And Marge, the reins are here. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yeah, so I think that's got legs. The Dalai, the Dalai yeah, Farmer. Dalai Lama definitely had legs. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about the Dalai Armor? It's like, you'll never destroy yeah. me because I'm wearing this armor. Yes. I have a, a prism around my mind that protects me and also this hard steel <laughs> casing around my chest, motherfuckers. That's right, yeah. Yes, the Dalai Karma. Hey, you seen any good movies lately, Declan? Uh, I saw The Suicide Squad. Do you know much about The Suicide Squad? I don't know anything about any of the comic book shit. So this one's kind of fun because um, there was a movie called Suicide Squad that came out in 2016. Okay. And it was directed by David Ayer, who um, wrote Training Day, directed End of Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes... He's a real interesting guy. He was like a straight-up gangster, mm-hmm. like an LA like gangbanger type guy. And so he made, you know, when he became a filmmaker, you know, he was like a, addicted to PCP and shit in his youth mm. and like getting arrested and like seeing his friends get murdered on the street and then... Um, somehow became a filmmaker and would write all these stories about like cops in the hood and a lot of like kind of Latino gangs in LA and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and he made this movie Suicide Squad and the idea of Suicide Squad it's it's all the villains from DC movies like put together by the government to go and do missions where they're expendable because they're like you guys are all the bad guys. Right. We let we we basically take time off your prison sentences if you go and do this mission and also you'll probably die in it and we don't care because you're the bad guys. Uh-huh. You've all murdered people and stuff. So it's got hey, Margot Robbie. you say they're being sent on a suicide mission? Is that the whole Pretty thing? much. Yeah, uh-huh. that's why. So the first one that David Ayer did, uh, that's where Margot Robbie became Harley Quinn. I don't yep. know if you know who that is. She's sure. like a Batman villain. She was the, the Joker's girlfriend and stuff. Okay. And it had Will Smith in it and um, 
Jai Courtney, an Australian guy, played Captain Boomerang, who's like an Australian Jesus villain. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Anyway. Please, um, go on. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie came out. Uh, David Ayer directed it and wrote it as well. And, Is Captain um, Didgeridoo in this one? <laughs> just Captain Boomerang, Just Captain right? Boomerang, okay. And, and so this movie came out in 2016. They put out some trailers to it before the movie came out. And the trailers were very stylized and had like, like a lot of cool songs and would like really cut to the music and like this cool music video. And mm. it made people get really pumped for it in the comic book world. Maybe a little bit of Yothu Yindi piping in the background. <laughs> I think it was more like, you know, Queen and stuff. Oh, it was okay. like just banging songs. And then um, oh, the, this trailer did really well and everyone was going nuts for it. And then the uh, Warner Brothers were like, we want to make the movie more like the trailer that we put out because uh-huh, uh-huh. the trailer is like too good for what the movie is almost. That's crazy. And supposedly they got the company that cut the trailer. They were like, we want you to recut the movie. And so they did like a oh full... Oh my God. They took it away from the director, did a full recut and basically put oh this version God. out that the director was like, this isn't my movie and it, I don't like it anymore. And But he, you know, he kind of grit his teeth mm. and went along with it. Needs to get his payday. Yeah. And anyway, the movie comes out. um, It made quite a lot of money, but like did not do well really with critics or audiences. It was just like Mm. the trailers were so good that people came to this movie. And a few years later, this guy kind of disowned it was like, yeah, they took it from me. And So wait, was that the original Suicide Squad? This is the original one from five years ago. Oh, okay. Is that a thing that... I know there's more to this story, but is that a thing that happens that like trailers become really popular and like... People get really excited about trailers. I don't think it's super common, but I would say for like big blockbuster I mean, movies, it can like the trailer can be what makes people pumped. You could be like, we don't want to see a sequel to this shit movie, and then a trailer can come out, and you know, people on the internet are like, this new Star Wars is gonna be good again. I'm so. But convinced. everyone knows that it's just hyper edited shit. Like with like, you take an hour and a half and edit it down to thirty seconds or two and a half minutes, and it's like, of course, it's fucking going to be tantalizing i find them obnoxious and impossible to follow and they make me angry yeah. now look if we're talking about a trailer filled up with a couple of kegs of beer That's now you talk of my speed you know what i mean but yeah i don't know this hollywood shit i'm not sure anyway go on so 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 that was that was suicide squad the first yes and then what happens is um this guy james gunn he directed guardians of the galaxy one and two um he'd made a lot of money for marvel he was about to do number three. He'd handed in his script for it. He's, you know, he's doing really good. And then... Um, Wait, who, who, do you say this is James Gunn? This is James Gunn, yeah. I don't know if you've seen for it. For the first one as well? No, no, no. He, no. he wasn't okay, involved. Cool. Yep. He was on the other side, right? He was on Marvel movies while this was coming oh. out. Then uh, he was talking a lot of shit about Trump. He was very, like, uh, politically left on Twitter and quite vocal about it. And um, some of the, like, right-wing people... He's an idiot, essentially. <laughs> Some of the right-wing uh, people a went sheep. through his his old tweets because James Gunn came up making trauma films, which are just like kind of real kind of gross B movies. And uh, and basically okay. when he was on Twitter, back in the early days of Twitter, before you could even reply to someone, you kind of retweeted them, but you like wrote their name in the retweet and then like replied. Yeah. He had yeah. a lot of shit where he was making a lot of jokes about like pedophilia and ch- children being hot now. As someone who just All made right. those, so I'm yeah, coming yeah, around, yeah. coming around on this <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, um, cool. Sounds funny. Anyway, they went. These guys went through him. The, these right wing guys that like wanted to bury him because it's you know cancel culture and let's let's throw it back mm-hmm. at the left. And you know they just screenshotted like hundreds of times that he was talking about 
you know pedophile jokes and retweeting them and stuff like 10 years ago yeah right. and um yeah. basically you know marvel's owned by disney which is a family company and they were like we have to fire you so we know you're about to make the third guardians of the galaxy All right they fired him which kicked up a stink because the actors were like we don't want to make more movies without him like he wrote and directed the first mm-hmm. two movies we were on this journey with him and it was a whole thing and in the time that he'd got fired and lost his job, which happened pretty quickly, Warner Brothers were like, hey, do you want to come make a DC movie? We would still hire you and you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can make a Superman movie. You can make whatever. What would you want to do? And he was like, I always love the Suicide Squad stories because he's a big comic book guy. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, do whatever you want. He's like, well, I don't want to do a sequel. I want to do my own Suicide Squad story. But there's a few good actors. I'll keep Margot Robbie. I'll keep Jaya mm-hmm. Courtney as Captain Boomerang. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, do, do they keep, um? what's his name, 30 Seconds to Mars? No. Jared Leto? No, there's no Jared Leto. Oh, poor yeah. guy. Oh, that's so sad yeah. for him. And, um, he, yeah, he basically just oh. cherry picks like three char- four characters and he's like, I'll keep those and I'll just use all new guys and I won't, it won't be like a direct sequel. It's not like they ever reference anything that happened in the first one. Uh, and they, he's like, I won't call it Suicide Squad 2. Uh-huh. I'll just call it The Suicide Squad sure. instead of Suicide Squad. Sure. And Makes also, sense. his will be um, like violent, gory, have tons of swearing and be rated American R. Okay. Whereas the other one was like a PG-13, you know, comic book movie. Ba, ba, Miss American R. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, that's Don McLean for you. He knew that it. Is. He loved the MPAA. So how, how so, so at the end of the day, does it pass the acid test? What do you think, dude? This movie was way better. This this movie okay, was really good. good. I like that's really good. enjoyed it. I mean, I really like James Gunn movies, and I'm a fan of him as a person, and I have been for ages. But I was like, especially the this movie stuff. You're really into. Yeah, that, those right? were some of my favorite jokes. But uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Suicide Squad was really funny and like subversive as well. Okay. We I don't we don't need to get into spoilers. Now, I've but, heard um, of submersive, but subversive? Yes. There is some submersive parts as well. People get ah. dropped into some water at one point. No way. Yeah. Now that's my kind of speed. But yeah, he came good except like kind of no one's watching this movie because there's a pandemic and like the okay. Delta variant's going around and also his version is a sequel to a movie no one liked and it's R, so it's like less people can see it. But I thought general. it wasn't a sequel. It's just everyone's assuming it's a sequel. That's the thing. It's like, it totally works. You can watch them both next to each other, but it's not like a direct continuation. And I think that's just confusing. Mm-hmm. The name is confusing. People are just like, yeah. but I never saw the first didn't one. Didn't that suck? Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, because I didn't know anything about this and you're like, oh, geez, I thought I thought that that movie sucked and why would the second one be any better? But now you've sold me, except I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. What else has James Gunn done? Like, is it just all the Avengers bullshit? No, the first movie he directed was called Slither in the mid-2000s. Okay. It's kind of like a campy horror, a bit of comedy. It's got Nathan Fillion from Firefly as the main These guy. These are all just words to me. Okay. Um, then he did a movie, um, he also wrote a bunch of movies. He actually wrote the two Scooby-Doo live action movies and the Dawn of the Dead Zack Snyder movie in the early 2000s. And I think they were back to back number one films or something. So at one point he had the like... Scooby-Doo movies? Yeah. Was that, was that like a well-received movie? I thought that flopped as well. The first one was, I'm pretty sure it was a number one movie in, in the US. Wow. I mean, it was a kid's movie. I, I wasn't going to see it. I don't. Yeah. I didn't really grow up with Scooby-Doo, but um, 
Yeah, he had Dawn of the Dead and Scooby-Doo as two movies that were like hit movies in a row. That's crazy. Um, He made an indie movie called Super, which I really like, which is um, Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight in the American office. Yeah. And um, person who's now called Elliot Page. Yep. Elliot. Yes, from E.T. Page. And that movie is really cool because it's like it's Dwight from the office is like he kind of becomes a superhero but it's not there's no powers he's basically like mentally unstable and mm-hmm. he starts becoming like a vigilante wearing a stupid outfit and just like bashing criminals in the face with a wrench okay yeah yeah cool and then like doing superhero-y things but in a realistic way where like people are like getting killed because he's like killing bad guys by like yeah right. and and you know then yeah. then they run into gangsters with guns and stuff and it's but it's real fucked up and there's this middle part of it where he basically has this like vision or he thinks it's happening where these like massive tentacles come and like cut open his brain and stuff and you're just like oh this guy's mm-hmm. like actually insane but we're watching <laughs> him just like think that he's a, like a, a superhero now yeah 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 um i love that movie i watched it with jim when we were making an album once okay we were we were in sydney to record this uh ep yeah. and um yeah we were, i had it on this laptop and we watched it in like a bed together in like an airbnb <laughs> just like shoulder to shoulder on this mini laptop like 10 years ago <laughs> cool. so yeah that's the way to enjoy it yeah yeah i watched a movie last night but i can't talk to you about it right now it's for that other podcast we did. oh yeah uh you've been watching a lot of like lin-manuel miranda's show tune movies no i haven't <laughs> My kids are obsessed with this Vivo shit, and it's um, it's look I've I've net I've heard that Hamilton's fantastic, and I can kind of understand. I've seen like a little bit and thought, oh yeah, because I, I I like a bit of musical theater. I think it can be really really enjoyable, but there's something about just these triplet fucking annoying da 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 over and over again, and the kids are listening to this Vivo uh, soundtrack, which I think is like a Disney movie or a DreamWorks movie or something like this, and all the songs. I just I, I was listening in the other day. They were listening to the songs in the other room. I'm like, is that fucking Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> what, what is this shit? Yeah, and then he Georgie, plays the main character, doesn't does he? he? I, don't, I don't know. I, so. I haven't watched it. I let my kids watch whatever the hell they want. I don't, I don't check anything. My daughter's running around the house rapping along and... Spitting fire lines, which is good. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, know. it's a gateway I, I, drug to hip hop. Yeah, that's right. It's just so lame. It's so lame, and I, I bet it's awesome. Like, but it's so lame. Anyway, so yeah. I, I guess I got to watch Hamilton one of these days. Yeah, I, I think Lin Manuel Miranda is a guy who's like obviously extremely talented. Um, he's also very much like an enthusiastic drama kid. Mm-hmm. Um, w- which is a, is a, just a tough energy to take in like I, long amounts. Three minutes. I can't have three <laughs> minutes. He has this real mix of like, wow, this is really good. He, like super well researched and well written and, and crazy cool. And then you're also like, ah, oh, but it's also so lame, but it's, oh, but it's so good. And yeah. it just like balances yeah. perfectly sometimes. Like I know people that hate Hamilton. Mm. You, you'd think it would be something I hate, but then, yeah, I'm like, oh, this guy's actually got bars. Like he can, he can rap and there's some fucking sick raps. And then also mm-hmm. just storytelling wise, it's like a two and a half hour historical play. And it's just like got so many banging tunes and you're just like, fuck, this is, yeah. It's one of those things that can live up to the hype. But I also feel like you're not the type of person that would allow anything to live up to the hype. 
I think that, what does that mean? I feel like you when when something's hyped to you, it's like there's no coming back for it. You're like, like nah. I like I instantly have to go like oppositional and like be a contrarian, contrarian for the sake of it. No, I don't think it's for the sake of it. I think you just like don't I think appreciate. I'm turned off by it. Yeah. I don't think you enjoy people's excitement or enthusiasm for <laughs> art. <laughs> I don't think I enjoy seeing anyone happy because mm. uh, uh, I wish that I could feel that myself and I don't know what it's like and I'm jealous. Yeah. I might be totally off base, but I picture you like if you're listening to an album that you are like, this is incredible, you're just sitting there with a straight face and then maybe you take the headphones off halfway through and you're like, yeah, that's too fucking good for me to listen to. I'm, uh, Yeah, I'm going to just go do something else. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I No. I, they're, they're like, okay, well, yeah, so like your case in point there would be the Bo Burnham special, right? Which I think is, I, I really like the songs in that. It's just the fandom around these things is so fucking annoying. And like, I don't want to be associated with that. And, and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So... I don't want to talk too much about why I think that those songs are really good. And there's some stuff in that, in that special that's really naff and annoys me. Yeah. But, um, but Bo Burnham's got a similar drama kid energy, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's there, but like, it's, I don't know. Like I really like the songs. I think that the message comes through really, really well. And some of it's kind of funny. It's not that funny really. I like it. Yeah. There's so much baggage. There's so much excess baggage around it. It's like, just fuck it off. Yeah. I I need to watch these things in a silo and never talk to anyone about them. Yes, exactly. I know what you mean. Like, I don't want to be a part of this group of people that are frothing over this thing, even though I watch it and I'm like, yeah, okay, that is good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it's fine. And sometimes it's more annoying. Like, sometimes you'd love to be like, I knew it would be fucking shit and you're all dumb. Yeah, and sometimes right. you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. You start off being like, oh, this is what everyone's into. <laughs> oh. And then like, as it goes, you're like, fuck, that actually was really catchy. Yeah, it's actually pretty sick. Yeah. yeah. I think similarly to like that Nanette special that was really, really popular, it's like, I don't know. I think in both cases, like I expected to see a comedy special and in neither case i did oh yeah i just heard so like i just heard some really good songs and saw a woman like i know kind of pouring her heart out and and being super annoying at times don't get me wrong that the net thing pissed me off in parts because i don't know something about it just annoyed me yeah but um Uh, you know I, i guess like the parts where she was just telling quote unquote jokes i was like god that's lame but you know the parts where she's having a genuine like recalling of traumatic experience on stage. I'm like, that's really rough. Jeez. That's what an honest, true moment. Yeah. Captured live on film. Imagine doing that night after night though. Like, I know that just, um, that's the thing that I didn't like about the Bo Burnham thing is there's a part where he set up a camera and he's like talking to the camera on a microphone. It's probably take number 29. And he's talking about how he's not okay. And he starts breaking down crying in front of the camera. Like you don't just set a camera up, sit there, get the lighting right. And then cry on camera. 
that you, this is acting, and that's fine. Except that the pretense of this whole thing is that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's. Th- Have you seen any of his other specials though? I don't know anything else about him. Oh though. yeah. So that's his that's his third like self produced special. Like he made one for um, YouTube, and I think. 2010 or something and he like funded it himself and put it out and then he made um another one that maybe was five years ago or something 2015 um and and that one's really good and 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 then this is like the third one and it and it directly leads from the last one into this like the 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 last song in the make happy special which is the last one is him in that same room playing this song and then like walking off to his girlfriend in the because it's like the guest house basically right um, mm-hmm. and he has this whole section where in the last one he talks about, he plays with the form a lot. Like he, he does stand up and then he has all these like pre-recorded bits where he's like talking to himself and, mm-hmm. and all these kind of like theatery things. So he's, it's yeah. not, it's never just like plain stand up. There's, right. there's songs and kind of skits and weird, like, um, absurd things and stuff like him fighting with the sound guy who's playing the wrong sound effects and all this uh-huh. shit like that. It's all like the lighting and the and the effects and stuff are in there as well. Like it's very like a stage show. Mm-hmm. I think he's super influenced by Kanye, but he also has this weird relationship. Like his his on stage persona is basically someone who has contempt for his audience, mm. and so he's walking around just like giving a lot of shit to his audience and just like being super rude. And people say I love you, and him just being like fuck off. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then basically he had this whole thing where as he was touring that last show, he started having panic attacks mm-hmm. um, on the way to the show and sometimes on stage during the show. And so he was like really bad, you know, kind of like mental health issues where he was like the first show of this 40 show tour. He had a massive panic attack during the show mm. and then was like, I have to do this every night for like the next three months. After that, he just gave up performing completely. He just was like, I can't do it anymore. Like it's really bad right. for me. I got to go into therapy and fig- and get on medication and like figure this out. And so he went away and he made some movies and directed like he directed Chris Rock's Netflix special Tambourine. Cool. Um, and he made a movie called Eighth Grade. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. I want to yeah, watch that. That's meant to be really good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and then this was his. This was meant to be his comeback, right? So he was like, it, it had been five years. I thought I was ready to start performing again, and then like the COVID pandemic hit. And now he's like, I'm just in my house writing songs for myself because I can't even perform. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like the premise for for Inside. I see. Which I think does, I, it does add to it a little bit. Like it's, hmm. you know, the first song is called Content and it's like, I've made you some content and I'm coming back right. kind of thing. And then the reason I go through all of that is because you saying that him like breaking down in that section of the thing where he's talking to the mic and stuff hmm. is like it's hard to tell what's an act and what isn't and what's like what's real depression versus what's like this is how i'm feeling so now i'm going to write a song about it or do a thing yeah and yeah. he has this bit in the make happy special where he early on he like goes to pick up a water from the stool and he drops it everywhere and he's like fuck and then he plays this song that's like he meant to drop the water mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. meant to drop and it's all like pre-recorded and then it's like nothing is real art is a lie mm-hmm. and then he like does like three kind of yeah. tags on top of that same thing where it plays another song about like and yeah so i think that that kind of thing him playing with the form is like you you don't need to watch it literally and be like he's definitely depressed here uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm just assuming that some of those things were on purpose and some of them weren't and he put them in and some of them, you know, like it's still something he's curating. No, he, I know, he, he I know. Be like, I think I'm obviously I'm being too hard on it and I, I, I understand that it is a fully produced product that he spent time like 
pulling together, scripting as much as he scripted. Some of it, yes, is off the cuff, but it's still, I don't like being <sighs> manipulated. I don't like him trying a little bit. I don't like him trying to tug at heartstrings when in that way, it's, it's very different to watching a drama show and something quite affecting coming, like happening in the storyline and it impacting you and you, and it resonating with you and you feeling sad about it but this is a person ostensibly being real and intimate with you but performing that intimacy and realness and i'm not i'm not saying that he never felt absolute depression had mental health issues and and that's what brought on the part but at the end of the day he still had to pull all that together set up the camera and say all right now i have to remember how i was feeling the other day when i was at my lowest and pretend to be that and and I don't know, something about that doesn't sit right with me. Hey, hey, look, maybe I'm a piece of shit. Mm. It's possible. It's probable. <laughs> it's probable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a certainty at this point. Yeah. Well, people listen to the show. They know. They know. I, I, I guess I'm, all I'm saying is stuff like that irked me through, through, the, through it. But the songs yeah. kick ass and they're great. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I wonder about things like that. If you found out that that moment in there where he tries to talk mm. and then he just like kind of walks off and drops something... If if he was like no that was full me having a breakdown and I'd, I'd be like you're lying to me <laughs> you, is that it that, yeah. that you're like I don't believe yeah. it no I don't believe it but I do believe he's felt that feeling yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, especially even like related to all of this shit that he he was doing and that he had a hard time putting the whole thing together and that it was a hard time for him mentally because everyone has a hard time yeah. You know, from time to time. I like. was talking about this with a friend recently who sent me a bunch of his music and he sings all the songs and writes the lyrics in it and it was um he might be listening to this. So, but I'm going to repeat things that we said in this conversation where the thing I appreciated the most about it was how like raw and emotionally honest he could be where he was just expressing himself. It didn't feel like he was putting it on. It felt like these mm. are like this is this is who he is. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just like so emotionally closed off and <laughs> I'm, I think about every bit of content that I've made in like the last 15 years whether it's music or movies or scripts or even like poetry and stuff and I'm like none of it has any vulnerability to it. None right. of it like I just don't really work on that wavelength. I just work mm. on like mm-hmm. entertaining uh, hopefully interesting like i mm-hmm. i think i work much more in what i'm thinking than what i'm feeling mm. which is kind of the opposite of what most people feel about art like the parts you connect to on the deepest level i don't know if that's true i i hear what you're saying i don't know if that's totally true i think it's a it's a nice melding of of both of those things but i also think that like depending on what kind of your mood a mood you're in i mean take weird al yankovic for example at what point is he? Are you ever emotionally connecting yeah. with anything he's done, other than, than on a like I don't know, laughing and happiness and stupid like like only silliness. when I hear the story about what happened to his parents. Yeah, right. That's an emotion. That's a way to connect with someone. Sharing a joke or sort of being in on the on the on the wink wink. That's an emotionally connective thing. So I think you're still letting your emotions out. It's just maybe you're not being vulnerable with darker emotions or sadder emotions and that's that's i think when when i when i make instrumental electronic music that's a huge drive for me in trying to put those and and weave those feelings and emotions that i have into textures and sounds and melodies and this that and the other right but that's a very guarded way of doing it it's very different from writing lyrics that are like 
I feel sad. Life yeah. is crap, um, which is the name of my new album. <laughs> but when, when, when making instrumental music, I always loved that, that I could be, I could imprint, you know, my own emotions and my own like struggles and shit into my songs without ever have to blatantly set up my camera, sit in a room, start crying in front of it and putting it on yeah. Netflix. I could just, I could imprint it a different way, a more, some might say a classier way. Some might say a more developed or no, it's just a different way, a, a subtle way. Do you think any of the music you've made has has shown a like an emotional depth or a vulnerability that people can listen to and, and be like, I relate to this on an emotional level? Um, I don't know, but like I, th- 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 that has certainly happened to me through instrumental electronic music that I try to sort of not emulate, but the, the same, the stuff that inspires me, like there are instrumental electronic songs that have touched an emotion in me and, and replicated that emotion in me and set off all the physical sensations that come from when you actually have that emotion purely through hearing the song. Right. Yeah. But it's abstract. It's not like, Oh, this song sounds like the guy who programmed this drum line mum died the week before and he'd been going through grieving. It's just like an overwhelming, like, I am now feeling an emotion that is synonymous with X, Y, and Z. I recognize this emotion. And how lovely is it that like these vibrations of and, and sounds have been able to somehow get into my guts and like trigger that within me, like in my nervous system. Yeah. I, I, that happens to me. I don't, it doesn't need to be someone singing blatant lyrics to get that across. And, and often, God, what, what even is this podcast? Even <laughs> we need to get Scott, Scott Owen in here and get his take <laughs> yeah. on it. Funnily enough, when there are lyrics, I'm not listening to them until like the 59th listen. And I'm like, God, I love this song. This is so good. And then suddenly I realize what the lyrics are about. And I've always been connecting with the vocal Um, melody in an emotional way. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, there's a whole nother layer here. This guy's saying some things. (laughs) And and, and I guess the more cryptic those things they're saying, the the, the more fun it is because you have to try and decode what it means and uh, and what it means for you and why it means that when you pair it up with the melodic... um, yeah. yeah, the melodic side of that vocal melody. I think back to some of the music I really liked, like in those formative years. Sure, Guns N' Roses, ACDC. Honestly, I was I was pretty big into Guns N' Roses, and I still am. But the it's the same thing. I'm like I'm into the music, I'm into the band, I'm into the energy, but like the fire mm. and the anger and the the kind of stories of like drugs and debauchery and stuff has no relation to me at all. I don't re- re- mm. I don't uh, mm-hmm. emotionally connect to it, but I still like listening to it. And I used to listen to sure. um tons of Linkin Park back in the day and they have a lot of screamo stuff and I never liked that, but I liked like the hip hop and then the kind of like the mixture of rock and rap. I would love the rap songs and then I would like hit you know Chester would be screaming some like super angsty like teenage suicidal thing in the choruses and I could never relate to it because mm. I just ne- didn't have those feelings. But I know people listen to that music and they're like, mm-hmm. this is how I feel inside. Yeah. And then obviously he like legitimately felt that way because he ended up killing himself. So I'm like, it's not, mm. you know, I always thought it was kind of corny, like the the stuff he would sing. But now you listen, mm-hmm. if you listen back to it. Yeah, totally. That was like real to him. That was fully how he felt. And 
yeah, I find that to be like a, a weird thing where I just never really listen to lyrics unless it's a rap song where it's like the lyrics are what you're listening for and the character behind it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, and I was big into 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 rap and hip hop and yeah, and loved like lyricism and good rhyming as well. Like I love technical rhyming and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, yeah I listen to songs yeah. hundreds of times. And if someone said like, "Do you know what that song's about?" I'd be like, "No." I just know how it sounds and I know like the vibe of it, yeah. how it makes you feel, yeah, exactly. but I don't really care. And I also <laughs> don't think lyrics, I think lyrics get super overrated in like their meaning because it's the one part that like a non-musician can listen to and mm. relate to and sing along and stuff that there's so many songs about love and everything. And you're like, you know, that guy, like the person he wrote this song about, yeah, he cheated on his wife all the time or he used to beat his wife or whatever. You're like, you think it's some sweet love song. Mm. I feel like so many love songs are generic and if you asked the person who was this song about, they wouldn't even have an answer because they've just written a love song that doesn't actually mean anything to them. Yeah. I think by and large, yes, but I also think like there's a lot, I don't know, there's so much individual experience and so much nuance to the way that some people write their lyrics um, and portray what you would call just like a love song. And it might actually be a bit more than that. It might be, you know, like a specific, what is this relationship to me and what has it done and how does it feel? And yeah, I don't know who gives a shit. <laughs> it's, it's I, I, I hear what you're saying. A lot of importance is put on lyrics and it, but I think the majority of people really do listen to lyrics yeah. up front from the get go. And when they put a song on, they may be listening for the story, which is yeah. only me. If it's a country Western, I want to hear that story instantly. But otherwise, you know how sometimes you go to a gig and like the band, like they before they even hit the song, but maybe the guitarist is like tinkling around in the key before he's going to hit like the opening mm, chord. Mm-hmm. And then I'll turn to Alex and I'll be like, they're about to play this song yeah, just because yeah. I can hear it. Yeah. And then they play like until they've hit the note or even until like the lyrics start, people then they cheer yeah, in yeah, recognition. Yeah. They're like, oh, and you, now and, I, and I you, know turn, you turn around and you say, shut up. I already <laughs> knew that. You should have listened yeah. to me. 20 seconds ago yeah i think i think i like really intellectualize listening to music in a way that's probably just horrible to be around like if i'm at a gig i'm thinking about what song they're playing and then i'm like i wonder what they'll do next will they go with the ballad next or will Uh they keep this energy going like at what point do they have that break at what point do they talk to the audience to give the band a few seconds to like get a drink and stuff and then i'm going like what are they doing for their encores like I'm thinking about like yeah. how you build a set, but list I think that's stuff. because you you like that and you want to you know you want to be engaged with that and you want to think about how you would do it because it's what's fun for you, right? Yeah. But I think I think I kind of understand where you're coming from, but I also think it's important to one of the few times that I I'm terrible at living in the moment. I'm terrible about not being. I'm always stuck in my own thoughts. I have a very hard time sometimes stringing three words together because halfway through the second word my brain starts like ruminating on something, right? Because I'm always over overthinking things. Being at a decent live show is one of the few places where I can be in the moment and, and not do that. So I would just I would just say if there's ever a chance that you can stop yourself from doing that and just be in that moment, yeah, you should. But but certainly. I'm there going like looking at the lighting cues and yep. shit and being like, oh yeah, what are they? oh cool, they got the spot, they got these colors, oh that's cool. Yeah, 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 cool. Well, hey, um, I, I I gotta I gotta jump into some other stuff in a moment. So 
great, great first pod. Yeah. Looking forward to doing uh, these daily, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, what well, we we get we get paid for this, right? Well, this one's just for the Patreon subscribers. Uh, so if, if if you're listening to this right now. You may not know or remember doing it, but you signed up to the Patreon. We're taking money from your credit card mm-hmm. every month, and that's why you can hear this. So thanks a lot for the support. And I've actually like um, I've downloaded a mass massive list of stolen credit card numbers that I found on a Russian website, and we'll just be charging that to the Patreon as well. It took me a very long time. I had to go through and individually enter every credit card number into our Patreon. There's like seven hundred. Yeah. Well, of that's them. what they get. So annoying. If if you don't go out of your way to cancel those mm-hmm. cards, like that's right, that's what's so. going to happen. So, yeah, um, thank you to all of you su- subscribers. I think they're m- mainly pulled from the Ukraine and um, Latvia. I think was where the, the the cards came from. So, should see a big boost in numbers of plays in those regions when you check out the stats next, Declan. Yeah, cool. And thanks to everyone who's been, you know, a loyal listener of the show, everyone who voted Hayden and I as your favorite member. That's why we did this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mitch and Morgan have the chance to step their game up, but credit where them. credit's due. Morgan and De- uh, Morgan and uh, Mitch have done a good job, but um I think I think it was just about time we sort of made made the right change and 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 sort of got this thing on the right track, right? So thanks Morgan and Mitch. Uh you guys have been great, but we'll take it from here. <laughs>